Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. Hello, I'm Sir Paul McCartney. Ooh. I don't know what I'm doing. Hi, I'm, <laughs> I'm Lena Morgan. Hello. I, I was going to try and write, make an intro of my own, but uh, you well, we're, we're just proceeding from there. Hey, everyone, it's Song versus Song. Welcome to the podcast. We are doing a particularly apocalyptic matchup this, this week to match our apocalyptic world. We are doing the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter versus the Beatles' Helter Skelter. You two stole that song from Charles Manson, and we're stealing it back. <laughs> Somebody literally said that you would say that. Well, they were correct. In fact, I think I stole it from them. Good work. Oh, the you big scumbag. And then uh, one of you guys can steal it back when you do your podcast. There you go. Hold on. I, I got I to finish this. Hold on. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And then we can play the Gimme Shelter intro right here. Okay. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Okay, Todd. What What is that a reference <laughs> to? What is it? It's, it's, it's the opening line of The Departed. Ah. Which then launches into Gimme Shelter, as I recall. I probably didn't even get the line right, actually. Good. I'm glad that we could start <laughs> off this episode <laughs> on such, such a, a strong, strong note. Yes. Certainly. Oh, man, I'm feeling it was good going about so, this one already. It was going so great with my brilliant Paul McCartney impression. And then you blew it. Okay, this is one of yours. This was uh, your suggest one that you came up with, and this is our second Beatles versus Stones episode, and this is a, a brilliant matchup. So congratulations to Lee and everyone. Everyone, uh, you know, I think it's. I think what's interesting is that there were people that said that they felt the songs were so different that they didn't understand why they were paired up against each other. I don't. I don't see how the connection could be missed. They. They. They rhyme. Ah, the end. <laughs> that's the reason. That's it. No, I, I, I think when I pitched it to you originally, it was that they're kind of, kind of inversions of each other. Where "Gimme Shelter" is specifically about the state of the world and is cement. It's meant to be sort of socio-political, and then "Helter Skelter" isn't about really anything. <laughs> but isn't but, it? But now it is. All right, well, I mean, um, and one is ominous and one is a headbanger. So they're they're sort of each other's equal opposite number as the Beatles and the Stones often were. So that's the reason why um I had originally pitched the two to you. Well, I mean, there there two a couple major things. First off, it's a Beatles versus Stones matchup and Beatles and Stones will always be matched against each other. Like I will be very surprised if I ever come up with like a Beatles or a Stones matchup that is against someone else. But also, they are irrevocably tied to the insanity of the late 60s. They both have movies named after them about uh, murder. They do. Uh, I think it's it's fun. The thing that makes this different from usual is that I, I think the common wisdom for a while was the Beatles did a thing. Wait six months. The Stones will do a <laughs> thing. The most notable, I think, uh, being Sgt. Pepper's and then um, their their Satanic Majesty's request. Yeah. Their whole psychedelic period, Ruby Tuesday and, uh, you know, um, she's a rainbow and all that stuff. Yes. I So um, I thought we'd start on something that will immediately raise people's ire. And it had an okay. important, I had an important starting place for the episode as, as as we were preparing to get started. I said, where do we begin? And mm -hmm. uh, here's my starting place. Uh, there is a point in time 
Uh, I don't remember if I said it publicly, but it was a thing that I said on Facebook that made people angry. And it was, um, if you're only going to you own, making, you're making people f- hard to believe on Facebook angry. Yeah, I can't imagine it. Um, if you're only going to own one Beatles album, the White Album is the one to own. That was my statement. You know, Spotify exists. You can listen to any of them at any time. <laughs> but if you're going to physically own a copy of one and only one Beatles album, my opinion is that that album should be the, the White Album, as Tommy Lee Jones and Men in Black would call it. <laughs> uh, and in point of fact, I do I do own the White Album on vinyl. Um, uh. It is not the oh, only Beatles one that I own because I'm an old person, so of course. But I, it was the first one when I when we got the record player during COVID times. It was the first, I think, might have been the first album I even went out and bought, honestly. I mean, it's a white album. I can't prove it's the, the white album from here. Now, all I see is a white cover. Now It could just be a blank, uh, blank record sleeve for all I know. Here's the follow-up statement that had occurred okay. to me while I was researching this. If you're only going to buy one Rolling Stones album, one and only one, it's a greatest hits record. It's it's Hot Rocks 1964 <laughs> to 1971. So here's my here's my hot take, Todd. There are no truly great Rolling Stones albums. None. Every single Stones album has probably two great songs on it and the rest are okay. War children. It's just a <laughs> it's shot just, away. <laughs> you know, I have heard this before. Really? Not, and not from. Oh, I've heard that the Rolling Stones are a bad album, uh, bad album artists. They're a singles artist. I've heard people say that before. Now, my uh, rebuttal to that is Sticky Fingers. I still, but like, so here's the thing. Sticky Fingers is is pretty good. It's the closest exception you're going to get. And if you, you know, if you, as, as I did, just to sort of see what people's thoughts were, Google Rolling Stones albums ranked, you will find that most people doing rankings will put Sticky Fingers at number one, almost uniformly. Um, the only other one is um, Exile Main Street, and that album is too long. That that is <laughs> says, says the guy uh, promoting the White Album. Listen, but that's I don't that's different. Like I didn't say that it was their best album. I just said if you're only going to own one. There I to me there's a distinction. Maybe that's splitting hairs, but I don't know that I would call it the best or even my favorite. I just think it's the there's so much different stuff on it. It's such a weird record that I mm-hmm. that it's the one that I feel it must be owned. You certainly get the most bang for your buck with the White Album. It's their only double album uh, that isn't the greatest hits, and uh, mm. it is weird. It is weird as hell. I would say that there is, in the White Album, one and a half, maybe, at most, of a great album. Like, there's one phenomenal 10 out of 10. There's uh, one and a half, that's like a eight. Seven and a half, eight, a whole album. I, it, it does start to drag down. There are some real weird tracks, but I don't know. Even even with that said, the weird stuff kind of adds something, adds a weird flavor. I would say the White Album is my my second favorite Beatles album. Like I, for me, it's Abbey Road and then the White Album. 
and I I certainly love uh, you know uh, Revolver and Rubber Soul and everything else they've ever done. But uh, I, I the White Album kind of needs to be a mess. I feel like like sure. it would be a lesser album if it were a better album, if it were a shorter album, if it were a tighter album. Yeah, like but th- so here's the thing: uh, if it's if it's an argument, which it's not, but just to get it out of the way, if the argument is between the White Album and Let It Bleed. It's the white album over Let It Bleed, like and not and it's not even close. It's not even not even a tiny bit close. They're not on the same planet. They're not in the same universe. There's two really great songs on Let It Bleed. And For, again first and the last. Yeah, that's it. And that's the other crazy thing. Do you ever think about this? Oh, I think about it all the time. Gimme Shelter's an opening track. Does that feel like an opener to you? <laughs> That's the last number on an album. That's the craziest shit I ever heard in my life. How did they not flip those two? I don't know. Give me Shelter's opening two measures. You know, the opening riff feels to me like it has to open something. It has to start. It doesn't feel right to me to end on Give Me Shelter. Oh, see, to me, when I when I hear Give Me Shelter as a song, it's not any particular usage of it that I think of. But in my mind, Give Me Shelter is... I don't know. It, it, the imagery in my head has always been there's a tense day and you know deep down it's that that feeling in the pit of your stomach that something's not right but you can't put your finger on what it is and everything about your day is tense and when you get to the, like the last moment you look into the into the horizon and you just see that plume of smoke and the song starts to play and you know you're fucked. You know that everyone around you is fucked. You know that history is fucked, that the galaxy is fucked, that nothing is ever going to be the same. That's like, to me, that's an act break. <laughs> that's like that's that's like in the in the in the olden times when your favorite TV show had a cliffhanger ending and then you knew you weren't going to find out how it turned out until the fall. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Locutus of Borg, <laughs> Best of Both Worlds Part One. I had to get to Star Trek is the the other thing that I make sure I include in every episode, I guess. But like, yeah, like uh, you know, Will Riker saying "fire" instead of that. It should be "give me shelter," because then you've got to wait four months or whatever it is to find out what the fuck is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what it always felt like to me. It's brilliant. I mean, it's. This is the other thing is that um, I don't think there's anybody on earth who's making the argument that Helter Skelter is the best Beatles song. Are you? No, but. The likelihood is very small. How, I, whereas, if, you are, if you are like a metalhead. Even then, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll get into that. That's a thing worth discussing. Um, the Beatles and the song. Um, as pertains to the metal movement of music. But um, if you were to say that you think Gimme Shelter is the best Rolling Stone song, you've got a, that would re- certainly, you, you've got a good argument to make. Yeah, that's, a cer- that's certainly a much more likely that someone's going to say Gimme Shelter is their favorite Stone song. Yes. Versus- I, and I think not only just favorite, but like if you were going to sit down and like by the numbers, try and prove insofar as you can prove such a pointless thing that it is their best song. 
I think even that you've that's a strong contender. That's uh is is that your argument for Gimme Shelter being better than Helter Skelter? That it's the best Stone song versus the Beatles have many better songs than Helter Skelter? I think it's so. It's the first thing that occurs to me. I don't know that it, it doesn't really prove that that one is definitely better than the other, um, but it does lean towards that. Uh, I think Gimme Shelter again. It's just my actual argument, and it is that Gimme Shelter is the better song. Is that? Um, I remember hearing Helter Skelter the first time and being like, wow, I had no idea that the Beatles made this kind of music because, and we've talked about this before in my head, I thought they were, you know, baby music for babies. (laughs) I want to hold your hand and shit like that. So I had no idea until my dad played me the White Album when I was probably like, you know, 13 or 14 years old. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And my dad was like, yeah, this is kind of like the music you listen to. And the music I was <laughs> listening to was um, Nirvana's In Utero on repeat. Specifically, my my favorite Nirvana song, Tourette's, infamously their most hated song, um, or certainly one of them, I would just listen to on a loop over and over again. And I was like, it's not as heavy as that, Dad. That's Kurt Cobain like, screaming so loud that even though he's not anywhere near a microphone, it still picks up. Certainly Paul McCartney had an influence on Kurt Cobain, but like, I don't know, like I heard it and I was like, that's cool. I have probably heard Give Me Shelter uh, approximately 10 billion times and I get goosebumps every time. (laughs) That's the difference. Give Me Shelter is basically a perfect song. And like, if you were going to pick a song that sums up just that general year, 1969, the summer of 69, you would not pick summer of 69 to sum that up, certainly. No. You would p- pick Gimme Shelter. Like, this is just an astonishing song. And, you know, we, we were born well after all the boomer years, so we only know it through hindsight, through, you know, the history books. And just listening to Gimme Shelter, it just really does give you that feeling of what it was, what it must have been like just chaos every fucking day people dying people rioting in the streets gosh todd what must that be like i picked <laughs> i just so, and that's the thing right I picked this this matchup for this week for a reason i really liked it and i think that in in the sense that i could conjure up you know in my own life and the lives of others you know even in, in the in the halcyon days of the 90s when we were kind of in many ways living a much easier life. Well, some people, not everybody, but you know what I mean? Like where we, America was not quite as entrenched. The world was not quite as exploding as it is now. And it still had a potency, but yeah, I mean, war children, it's just a shot away. That's always scary. It's, absolutely terrifying now the, you know like i wouldn't look back and go man it's even more it's even more salient today it has even more to say today no it has exactly the same amount to say today as it did then it's ex- i mean like the only difference is that like the we're we're closer to midnight now <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's the difference otherwise it's exactly the same but you know in 1969 if someone said like the end is nigh and held up a sign, which people did all the fucking time. You'd think possibly now if somebody does that, it's quaint because definitely that's it. That's, <laughs> that's about the difference. Ha ha. What a, what a uh, life. But yeah, I mean like it's, it's that 
it just perfectly encapsulates that feeling in a way that Helter Skelter doesn't. And I actually like how many songs can you think of that do that? I would say Helter Skelter does. Really? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for your for your thesis. I realize that Gimme Shelter is the song that goes rape, murder, it's just a shot away. And Helter Skelter is a song about going down a slide, just literally a slide. But I'm sure in 1968, Helter Skelter would have blown my fucking mind because that is a violent song. Like, well, yeah, we've talked about the the thing that I usually compare Hel- Helter Skelter with, which is um, Rites of Spring, right? That there was something- we have. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. So you, no, I don't know. I've never talked about Igor Stravinsky's "The Rite of Spring" before to you. No, okay, or so to you, anybody. So you know how um, that was a little too complex musically for people, a little too discordant, a little too odd, and because people had truly not heard music like that before, it created a bit of chaos. People went a little crazy when they heard it. Like, that's true. You could look it up. Like, it's not I mean, apocryphal. I, I, it's a thing that really, like, I don't know that it happened in the way that people describe it, but like, it did upset people. People did not like that when they heard it. Yes, this is uh, Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, a classical piece from, I want to say, like the 1910s that allegedly caused riots upon its premiere because it was so uh, crazy. I'm not sure I've ever actually heard this, this classical piece. It's weird. And the thing about, um, Helter Skelter. It, so, all right. The starting place. People make a lot of hay about how loud it is. Um, that's certainly Paul McCartney's big riff, the thing he likes to talk about. Um, that he had heard a, a song and was told that it was the loudest song. And uh, I believe the song was I Can See for Miles by The Who believe that is the song that he was told he is i don't know that he's ever actually said that's what it is but i, I, I believe he's he has said it's so i can see for miles and miles by the who right so he he had been told and he was like kind of impressed by that the idea of it and then he heard the song and thought this actually seems pretty straight to me i bet we could do better <laughs> uh you know that's, that's that's a very funny thing to say when like one band has Keith Moon on drums and the other one has Ringo Starr. Sure. And the other thing is that, like, you know, um, the Beatles had done um, feedback before. Um, feedback was a part of popular music, uh, as was, like, grungy, almost distortion dating back to, like, the 1950s, technically. And the Beatles, even in their popular stuff, would have feedback. Like, I Feel Fine has feedback. And uh, as far as um, feedback and distortion, it was all over the place, right? Like the Stones had done it on satisfaction. In fact, like I was going to name a bunch of things, but like since we're talking about the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones had already done it. The thing that Paul did as far as sound is concerned and the way that he tried to sort of make the, the thing peak and make it loud was that he literally like sat down in the studio and they made it as loud as they could. And then they like mixed it down and then he put it back in and then said, crank it back up again. That was the, that was the idea. And that is not right. You're not supposed to do that. 
I mean, you're not supposed to do any of these things that, that have created um, the tones that people have come up with, but um, it does make it really distorted. But the other thing about it, the thing that always really came through to me was the cacophony of instruments and the way that the song will end and like it should be over. And you think like, ah, I've got a break. But no, no. And then it comes right back in again, just as you think that it's done. And it's that. But it's also the guitar, like, because most of it is just E, right? It's just that bottom E string going, which is awful. It's terrible. It's just, it's so stressful when you hear it. It's, I mean, it's wonderful. It's fantastic because it is eliciting an emotion. But it's eliciting an emotion from a very reptile brain place. There is something that's so pure id about Helter Skelter. And I think it is the chaos, all the other instruments that come through, the screaming. It just, it sounds like I'm going to die, you're going to die. Maybe (laughs) we're all already dead. Is this hell? I kind of like it, but also my brain is unhappy. <laughs> and that's and that's it. It's just it's a mixture of things. The noise is part of it, right? Like I don't want to mm. deny the 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 loudness of it, the distortion of it. But there were lots of songs that had distortion and feedback and stuff like that that preceded it that didn't make people crazy. But I think Helter Skelter kind of did, you know. I, I mean as evidenced by the fact that it's sort of, you know, like that's the theme song of the Manson family Christmas, uh, you know. So if you're wondering, like, what part do I think that that song actually plays in any appreciable way um, beyond Charles Manson just wasn't well, um, I think it's that it's it's a song that is upsetting to listen to. Like there's a there's just some the primordial ooze from within comes out and howls at the fucking moon when you hear that song. Gimme Shelter is a song of dread, I would call it. Like, you got a bad feeling down in your gut. The versus word, Helter the, Ske- yeah. the word is Helter, ominous. It's an yeah. ominous song. Helter Skelter is not an ominous song because whatever it's about, whatever terrible thing it's about is happening right now when you listen to it. And you see like footage of like riots and stuff from the, the late 60s. And in my brain, the song that's playing in the background is Helter Skelter. Like that's the song I hear when I, I see like the fights and the police beatings and stuff like that. Also possibly Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Sometimes I hear that in my head also. Fair enough. I think that the, there's a specific part of Helter Skelter that when I look at Chaos... I hear because it's not like Paul going like when I get to the bottom. Of my <laughs> it's not that. It's that that horn that like the weird drumming, like the blisters on my fingers, all that stuff, like that. Like that. That part is what I think of. Like if you're looking at like riots in the streets, if you're looking at like cops coming in and beating protesters or whatever it is, you know, like that's that's the part for me no other part of the song makes me feel that way it's just that part that little segment that little minute or two for for me it's like the the la 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 la's that in the background and there's like those have no right to be there the little background harmonies that the beatles do like if any other band besides the beatles had come up with this song that part wouldn't be there 
And that part just makes me feel like I'm going insane. Yeah, I think, you know what, that's been tempered for me because the the Lala's paired with something that's not right was done better, in my opinion, on that album with my personal favorite Beatles song, period, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Uh, what, r- remind me, what part do they, la la? Oh, actually, with I guess bang, maybe bang, they, they don't, they don't, yeah, I guess it's it's more like, like bang, bang, shoot, shoot, shoot. shoot. Yeah, that's It like, certainly works in the same way, yes. It does. I, and that comes earlier in the album. That's like side A. Um, it's the end of side A. I think that because that's on there, but by the time Helter Skelter rolls around, I don't want to say it's entirely been there, done that, but it does It does temper it a little bit for me. You know, the funny thing about Helter Skelter is that if Paul had not been inspired to write the heaviest song he would ever write in his entire life, I can imagine. Except Helter for temporary S- secretary. Except for temporary secretary, yes. Let's just be clear. But, you know, someone said that in the comments. Good. (laughs) Good. But I I can imagine, like, if Paul was in a different mood when he wrote Helter Skelter, it would be like another happy psychedelic Beatles tune. It would be like, hello, goodbye, or something like that. Well, as a a point of fact... Um, and I didn't, you know, it's so interesting to, to live in a time where you can just know these things instantly, but you know, um, when they were putting out the, the Beatles anthology in in like 95 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when they got around to, I, I think it was the third one of those. It was either the second or the third, but they put out the original cut, the first, the first demo of Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. And it's this like bluesy track, very really? slow. It's like six minutes long. It's like, do you, don't you want me to love you? Doom, doom, boom, boom, boom. Coming down fast, but a miles above you. Like, that's it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. And uh, wow, what is this? Totally different. Completely different. It's so different almost that when Paul McCartney tells the story of how the song became what it is, I'm like, are you lying? (laughs) Did you make this up? Because the original version doesn't sound anything like he was trying to be the loudest loud in Loudsville. No, it doesn't. It's fascinating. Yeah, this. uh, I'm listening to it now. It's uh, 12 minutes long. It's terrible. They're just jamming. It's not good. I can't I, I, I cannot get through that. I've done it like once or twice, but it's not, I can't enjoy that. That's too much for me. It's too much sandwich, Dagwood. For what it's worth, I, uh, you know, I, one of the music magazines I used to read back when magazines existed was like, we're going to answer every important question that's ever existed in classic rock. We're just going to give us a definitive answer. It's like, yes, the Grateful Dead are good, even if you're not on drugs. And Beatles and Stones, like, who's a better band, Beatles or Stones? And we're going to answer it right now. And they came to the conclusion that if the Beatles had wanted to be the Stones, they could have. If they wanted to be like the bad bad boys of rock and roll, they could have done it just as well as Mick and Keith. Because they could do fucking anything. I think Helter Skelter is like the ultimate proof of that. Yeah, and I think also if you're talking about... Um rhythm and blues and stuff like that. Even though most people don't really like let it be as much as they like certain other albums, 
you mm-hmm. can hear that element on that record quite a bit. Like if you're if you're specifically talking about the rhythm and blues stuff of the Rolling Stones, like can the Beatles do that? The answer is, yeah, they could do it. They could do it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, yeah, I mean, like the thing where we were talking earlier about how the Rolling Stones kind of, in a way, tried to sort of follow up Sgt. Pepper's with uh, Satanic Magistry's uh, request. Yeah, yeah, that one. That was sort of the sign that, like, that was a little above their pay grade. Yeah, that's the Rolling Stones probably couldn't be the Beatles if they tried to, and they did try to, apparently. But could the Beatles ever make their own Gimme Shelter? There's only one of those. Well, that's true. But the thing about that song, as I know for a fact, came up quite a bit in the comments, and you can feel free to read those at the appropriate hour is that it's not really, I mean, it's a great song. You know, I think everybody does a great job, but there is a, there is a person who is the reason why that song has taken over the edge and becomes as legendary and as unimitatable as it is. And it's not a person who was a regular member of the band. Uh, and that person is Mary Clayton. That's it. Like, that's your, that's your story. Like, what's the diff? Why is it that uh, <laughs> that song is so much better? Why is it that nothing else quite sounds like it? The answer is Mary fucking Clayton. That's it. She's uh, the gospel singer, I, th- I guess, who is uh, on that track, and she just absolutely kills it. Like It's one of the great unsung performances. Well, it used to be one of the great unsung performances of all time. Uh, right, because she's not even pro- correctly accredited on the album. It's Mary they put on there. They put did Mary. Did they really? <laughs> yes, they did. They even in the re- reissue because I guess they wanted to like keep it the same, the same mistake because <laughs> people like mistakes more than they like corrections. So yeah, yeah, they listed her as Mary. Mary M A R Y instead of M E R R Y. Yes, I know that in many parts of the world those two words sound the same. But yes, M A R Y as opposed to M E R R Y. That's that's funny because they've corrected the spelling of "Gimme Shelter" in the in the original pressings. It's "Gimme G I M M I E," like Jimmy J J Walker. I don't know. That's a stupid typo. Like the extra comma and paint it black. Yeah, it's an odd one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, and you know, uh, I suppose trigger warning for um, pregnancy related stuff in case there's anybody out there who's pregnant right now and does not want to hear bad news. Um, the big story that came out of that was that um, they needed somebody. They knew they needed a, a, a woman to sing another part. They knew that they, at some point somebody was like, this needs a woman singer. And they came to this guy and they said, uh, who you got? And Mary Clayton was who he had on speed dial. But Mary Clayton was like laid up in bed because she was pregnant, like real pregnant. And so she went and she recorded it real fast and then went home and went back to bed. And then she miscarried right after that. Oh, geez. And I did you not know, know this story. That's a terrible story. It's awful. Uh, that's why I provided the, the content warning. Um, that's now over. But yeah, I mean like that, um, that had, once I knew it, I was like, oh, shit. Well, now I can never unknow that information. I apologize if it's the first you're hearing it. There is no guarantee that there is a direct correlation between her going as hard as she did on the song and what had, might have happened anyway. There's really, you know, I mean, like, I don't have a time machine. I can't say that. But, like, it is a thing that happened. 
there is I mean that, a point A to point B that occurred. I mean, that's a horrible story that that kind of fits with the song because it's such a like haunted, cursed song. And not, I don't mean like cursed as in bad as the Internet uses it now. I just mean like there's just bad vibes all around that song. That's why it's so powerful. I mean, we may as well get into it. It's, it's, it's irrevocably tied with murder, just like Helder Skelter. Sure. And it's interesting because, you know, the song was not really written about Altamont, which is what you're referring no, to. It, it preceded that, right? It did. Yeah. Uh, so originally, um, so Keith Richards and, and Mick wrote it together, but it was started by Keith, as I think was often the case. And Keith started writing it when he saw, like, he was staring out the window. And you ever have that situation where everything looks okay and then all of a sudden everything turns black and the sky is open? You ever, yes. you ever You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So he witnessed that happen and he watched people suddenly running for shelter to get away from um, from the storm. And so it was a very literal, like, give me shelter. And then uh, also his girlfriend at the time was off, like where like he was alone and Mick and Keith's girlfriend were off doing stuff together. And Keith was feeling kind of jealous. And so that was a part of the song. And then, you know, by the time Mick came in and they started writing about everything else, um, it also just became about, yeah, just in general, like the the revolutionary upheaval that was happening at the time. It was about Vietnam. Why is it about all that? All that stuff kind of got pulled into it. Um, so it's just a perfect storm of things. But Altamont, which it is now irrevocably uh, connected with because of the documentary Give Me Shelter, uh, which was all about that that tour, which starts great. <laughs> and then they had this idea, if you don't know, that they were going to have a free concert at Altamont. Woodstock uh, on the West Coast. So the the story, which is kind of interesting, and I don't know how, I mean, if, if look it up on the internet, I suppose everything's easily knowable, but uh, I don't know how, like, just off the top of people's heads. It wasn't the Stones' fault per se, although there's some debate. This is just like with the the last time there was. You, you remember that Woodstock, that late '90s Woodstock, <laughs> where people would argue who was to blame. So there there was there was a very particular um, party that was involved at Altamont, uh, a group of motorcyclists, and uh, yeah, the Hell's Angels, and. There was a specific party there who was very pro the Hells Angels. That was the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead considered Hells Angels to be like these honorable fighters for freedom. (laughs) That they had a strong and noble spirit. And then the truth of that wound up being not the truth. uh, Incorrect. They were wrong. Uh, And... What they did was they looked out and they saw what was happening. And do you know what the Grateful Dead did? They got on a helicopter and left. (laughs) So no music fucking played until the Stones came out, right? There was no live music. There was supposed to be the the, the dead, I believe. And then like, so there was like an hour and a half. there were the dead eventually. Yikes, man. Yikes. (laughs) Oh, Uh, man. Boy, oof. But, um, But yeah, like. It just, it stirred stuff up. But if you ask, you know, like the reps for the Grateful Dead, the answer is the al- the name of the fucking album that the Rolling Stones were touring with was Let It Bleed. <laughs> what the hell did they think was going to happen? And it's like, I'm not sure that that really, 
holds. That is like, I mean, like if you're looking at the the latter day Woodstock, don't you really mostly blame the planners? You yeah. know, it's not that the none of the artists have anything to to contribute. You know, but like. It it doesn't start with the Rolling Stones creating an album called Let It Bleed. It starts with somebody invited the Hells Angels who were literal hell on wheels and things started to spiral out of control very quickly and then the dead left and it made them even angrier and then things just fell apart. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen that documentary. I don't really remember much of it, but like it, it starts going bad like right away. Yeah. Uh, they try to, um, they're playing like, um, please allow me to introduce myself, <laughs> oh, which is really horrifying that that's the song. And there's like all like fighting and panic and like a dog comes up on stage and it's just, it's bizarre. I mean, it's singularly like one of those moments, like prior to Latter-day Woodstock, it was like the one that people think of, like chaos at a concert. That was like the one. Altamont's what people think of now you know there are other ones there are even you know there's more like people freaking out and being upset even in you know in the present day where stuff happens you know like fire yeah, festivals, we're, we're still like having uh, fan crushes and people dying at concerts sure but Altamont was like it Altamont was like really sort of stood out as like a solitary thing and as a result because the documentary was called give me shelter people now just associate the song with that yeah it's it's concretely tied to uh you know actual tragedy actual people dying just like helter skelter is yeah after the, I mean, after, like after like, the fact and like again like i think to your point you can see that like there's something almost it's almost like you know i mean the world isn't a narrative but if it were it would be like you could you could see the strings you could see somebody writing the story of the history of humanity there in a moment you know Almost as though there was some sort of higher power that came in and like held the till or like said, let, you know, like let there be blood, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, there are many, many writers who have held both these incidents, the, the Manson family and Altamont as the death of the 60s, which I mean, never, nothing's ever quite that simple. But it's 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 an the 60s don't end on a very happy note. They don't. I think, you know. So, you know, the thing I said to you earlier, which is that um, Helter Skelter is not really the birthplace of heavy metal because it's not the birthplace of of, of distortion. It's not the birthplace of feedback. It's not the, the birthplace of noise rock. But everybody knows the Beatles. And so once it becomes mainstream, that makes it so that people who otherwise would not have necessarily heard those sounds now, of course, will hear them. You know, yeah. lots of people I'm sure were listening to like the, the kinks and the who and stuff like that, but nobody Green was, nobody Hendrix. was, li- yeah. Yeah. The Yardbirds, stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, are you experienced comes out in 1967, but were any of those people as listened to as, as held up on a pedestal as Paul McCartney? No. At the time, no, absolutely not. And so for Paul to do that with the Beatles sort of kicked things over to another level. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to Altamont and when it comes to the the, the Manson tragedy is that that these things stand out. They're so big. Yes, there's a bunch of other things that led up to them. Everybody knows about those two. 
not everybody knows all of the things that led up. The thing about Helter Skelter and its like influence is I, I feel like the metalheads like connecting themselves to like the greatest band ever. Like, yes, we are part of this lineage. Like we and the Beatles are, you know, we're exactly the same. Do and they? Like, I guess in my mind, know, they, 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 you know, it's metal. So anti-establishment. I mean, remember well, that, you, that, that, that metal the metal, the metal, the metal heads and the punks hated each other. Notoriously <laughs> hated each other. The two most anti-establishment genres for a while hated That's each so other. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, like I'm, you you know who uh, who was partly responsible for the, the the olive branch doesn't make any sense because she was such a like a, a lunatic, but uh, Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics was sort of the 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 meeting place in between metal and punk. This is a whole maybe at some point we'll do a Plasmatics episode, but like <laughs> I don't know any Plasmatics songs. Oh man, well, that's a that's a Wendy William Wendy O. Williams is a, is just a fascinating individual. At some point we should do an episode about about her about either uh, something from her solo career or something with the Plasmatics. I'd have yeah. to think, I'd have to think about who we'd even pair them up against. But um, anyway, yeah, I guess I could see that some metalheads would would want a, a little bit of that. A little bit of I mean, good it, it sounds connection. much more like a punk song to me than a metal song, honestly. Helter Skelter? Yeah. You know, it's tough for me because I'm it, like... The riff is just like... Well, you know what Helter Skelter sounds like to me? I'd, and I I don't. I guess I could have looked this up and answered it myself. But, you know, I mean, when, it, when, some, when the phone is engaged, right, the busy signal in the UK is not the same as the one that we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. But the the busy signal, I don't even like. Does it even exist anymore? You know the one yeah. I'm talking about. That yeah, eh, 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 that thing that makes you immediately hang up the phone because it's so noxious. Yes, that's what the beginning of Helter Skelter sounds like to me. Like, no, it's it's fun to play on piano. I can tell you that much because it's it's just you just need two notes. It's the E and the D. Yeah, now that now that you play that, I, th- I think actually the riff is a little too complicated for punk. I don't know. It's, it's pretty. In there. It's, it's, like, it's pretty. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff. But um, do you know what's really interesting, which I didn't know? Um, what What is the most listened to Beatles song from the White Album? Do you know? Do you, Do you mean by like the most streamed? The most yeah, on Spotify. What is the most listened to? To, to me, I would imagine it's Elter Skelter, honestly. I can't. Um, Not even close. I don't know. Not even close. USSR? No. Um, I'll tell you what I had assumed it was, and I was wrong. I, Raccoon. I. <laughs> Somewhere off the Black Mountain Hills of North Dakota, there's a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. I love Rocky Raccoon. I also love that song. Um. No. So I had assumed all along that it was while well, my guitar gently weeps. I always think of that as being like the singular, the song. If there's one song off the White Album, the one that everybody knows, it's while well, my guitar gently weeps. It's like mm-hmm. pro- probably what, you know, like one of the greatest songs ever composed, certainly one of George Harrison's greatest. But no, it's not. It's fucking Blackbird. Blackbird. Blackbird is the uh, is the most streamed song on Spotify off the White Album. 
You know, actually, now that I think about it, that does make sense to me because, like, the most streamed Beatles song period, or at least it was last I checked, is Here Comes the Sun. Probably. I have a feeling that kind of folky, the folkier end of the Beatles is what fits into Spotify playlists better than uh, any of, like, the popular early stuff or the hard stuff. It's not, you know, I, it's interesting because because it's streaming, I know it can't be <laughs> the reason that I would assume. It was one of the first Beatles songs that I learned to play um, because my guitar teacher was like, you got to learn to finger pick. And this is the easiest song to finger pick because, and I don't know if this is actually true, but it was what I was told as a kid. Um, Paul McCartney does not use all the fingers on his on his right hand for the picking part. He just uses his thumb and his forefinger, and that's it. And so that's always how I've played it. So for those guitar enthusiasts, you know, um, that's a hot tip. Uh, you should try playing that. And supposedly the reason why he did that was so that, like, all the lower notes, when he would hit them, um, they would sound especially, like, bassy because he's using his thumb. You know, he's using his thumb more than people normally do when they finger pick. Supposedly, this is what uh, this is what my guitar to- teacher told me when I was twelve, um, some ten billion and six years ago. Uh, but yeah, I think that like I always assumed that it was a song that a lot of people listened to because a lot of people learned to play guitar, and I just figured like if it's an easy song to finger pick, well, it must be a song that a lot of people have learned. Are we, are to we still play. talking about Blackbird? Yes, because I, I feel like Helter Skelter. If we're going on like what's easy to play on guitar, if it. I don't know how easy Helter Skelter is to play a guitar, but it seems pretty easy. At least the, that opening riff. It's not complicated. What am I being the ball? Okay, I was okay. I was playing a little fast there, but you know what I mean. Sorry. No, you know what I always think of when I think of the the the. To me, it's like the opposite of Day Tripper. Anyway. I kind I kind of hear it, kind of. Or if you want, it's the opposite of birthday. Wait, is it? Wait. Yeah, they're they're similar. I don't know. I guess it's just that what I'm trying to say is that Helter Skelter, for the one way in which I find that it does sound very chaotic, when it disappears and then comes back and there's just all of this, <laughs> you know, I was going to say rattle and hum, but that... <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, hatred of Bono. That's a funny thing. Bono, uh, bad! You- U2 has uh, covered both of these songs. I know. Um, weirdly, yeah. Gimme Shelter with, uh, Fergie. Bl- with, with Fergie and the Black Eyed Peas. But at least Mick comes out. Like, Mick's there. And that helps. Yeah. And actually, Fergie's not that bad, I have to say. I've heard, I've heard worse. I, I haven't actually. Looked, I'll, I'll look it up. But it, it, it feels right that U2 covers Gimme Shelter because... Unlike Helter Skelter, which is like covered by everybody, uh, Gimme Shelter, it, it seems a little intimidating to cover for me. And uh, this is the only version of it that I had known that wasn't the original. I'm going to tell you, I, I listened to a lot of covers of both songs, and I mm-hmm. thought for sure that I would like 
some version of Helter Skelter. I was like, I mean, that seems like, like you said, an easier song to cover. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like a single cover of Helter Skelter and I don't like a single cover of Gimme Shelter either. <laughs> I don't like any of them. I actually, and I don't know that that. Not maybe, even the Motley Crue one? Eh. Eh, eh. eh it's fine. I, I don't. Not even I, the Susie and the Banshees one? I No. I like that one. I don't. Oh, wow. Like, I don't hate them. Like, I don't like listen. I, I'm sure there are ones that I actively dislike, but the good ones were fine and I could listen to them. But what I say, like, man, that cover is as good or maybe even better than the original. No, no way. Not even <laughs> no, no close in, in either instance, you know. I don't know, like man. the like Helter's like Gimme Shelter is is perfect, and I did not expect to, anything would to would to top that one. But like Helter Skelter with like modern metal like techniques by it, it seems like it'd be a slam dunk. And and yet, like they, nothing ever seems to capture that raw energy of the Beatles. I just I, I, I just so, think that, it's, see, that seems so stupid for me to say the raw energy of the Beatles. It's just that you can feel Paul reaching. And the thing is that he succeeds. Like it, does, like like his reach is not like like he, it's not like he's trying to grab something and he doesn't get there. He does, but he just like just barely, right? Like you really feel like he's done something he's never ever done before. I don't listen to any other version of of Helter Skelter and think, "Gosh, this is bring something to it that's like so unique, so unique to the artist, so unique to the song, so unique to music." And that's the that's the difference. And again, I don't know. Gimme Shelter is just like it's Mary Clayton in large part. And then just, yeah, the reason why it's still the better of the two songs is just that it has a I don't know, it just it's it just scares the hell out of me. Like I listen to that song and I like I can listen to it. I can listen to Helter Skelter any old time and I'll be okay. But like when I listen to Helter Skelter, I have to like go and like I don't know, fucking bliss out, like eat, eat like a weed cookie or <laughs> I don't know, like watch a, watch a sitcom veg out. But when I listen to it, it sets me on edge and it makes me worried, you know, especially the end, like just the way that it builds and builds and builds, but the world could end today. And that song makes it sound like it will. And that's yeah. fucking scary. So I love it, but like, it's just, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of songs that are just instinctively that powerful. Like it's not just id. Like Helter Skelter just hits the id. I feel like Helter Skelter's kind of hitting every part of me. It's hitting like you know the id, the ego, the super ego. It's hitting all the genders. It's hitting it's hitting like my you know head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> it's really yeah, got I, me. I I love Helter Skelter. I, I think it's uh, an amazing song. I think ultimately it's a little undercut by the fact that Paul McCartney is Paul McCartney. He's a very silly man. Ooh. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a song about a slide and going down it. And, you know, it's... And, yeah, I mean, it's about the of complexity of sexual relationships, too. You know, I mean, like, it's in, it's, it's in the sauce. It's not like you can't get something out of it. But John Lennon, I, know, like, I think, even, even pretty famously said that he thought it was comical. That people would um, try and like come up with like deep meanings for their songs, and he was like, "We're just idiots. <laughs> We're not talking like you know, like like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. People still think it's yeah. about LSD." And he's like, "We're not that smart. I'm sorry." 
Yeah, like there is a lot of subtext to Helter Skelter with all the stuff that was going in the background and unfortunately the Manson stuff that happened later, but you can absolutely tell it's like that wasn't intentional. No. That wasn't something they pl- baked into it on purpose. But neither it's was just, but neither was Riot of Spring, right? Nobody made Riot of Spring and <laughs> like this will make them riot in the streets and like rend the flesh from their own bones and shit, you know? They won't, like, I don't think anybody wrote that being like, this is the one yeah. that's like, you know, like that, the idea of like a joke that's so funny that someone will laugh themselves to death. Like, I don't think anybody sets out to do that, but like there's a, there's like a Twilight Zone like element to Helter Skelter, which is kind of interesting. So I think, I think it's time for three questions. Yep. We've, t- I said that this would be a short episode and I fucking lied. Here we go. <laughs> Um, four questions after we talk about a whole lot of everything, we try and focus mm-hmm. it all up with these series of questions, deep, meaningful, powerful, impotent questions. Question number one, one of these songs is going to disappear, poof, gone, bye-bye. And the other one is going to linger in the memory of humankind forever, forever. Which is the song, Todd, for the culture that has to stay? Oh boy. Um, I don't know, like the world would be so much worse without either of these songs. I want to say Helter Skelter because there's no song like that in the Beatles canon. And like the Beatles have such a a large shadow. On the other hand, do I want to take away the Rolling Stones best song? I don't know. You answer this. I guess my big question is if there's no Helter Skelter. What song does Charles Manson? <laughs> you ever hear that Sam Kinison skit uh, bit about like he's talking about how Manson was inspired by Helter Skelter and he saw all these deep meanings in Helter Skelter and he's like, no, you didn't, Chuck. You were on drugs. <laughs> you would have gotten the same message out of the monkeys. Yeah, it's, uh, it would have been uh, Peggy's. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, happiness is a warm gun. It's right there. Uh, yeah. You know what? Since that's my favorite song. Uh, by the Beatles. Fuck Helter Skelter. Let it go. Okay. It's gone. Let it be. It's gone. Let it be. Let it let yes. it let it bleed. Um Okay, yeah, since since I since I'm abstaining, I'll we'll let you have the deciding factor on this one. Yes, that's a dumb reason, but yeah, I don't know. I mean to me it really is just that I would argue that Gimme Shelter is my favorite Rolling Stones song, and I think there's an argument to be made that it's their greatest song of all time. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's true of Helter Skelter. I think that, you know, Paul has still got temporary secretary. <laughs> so, Christ. you know, we're good. <laughs> I just bought McCartney 2 on vinyl. There was a used copy at the yeah. record store for 15 bucks, and I bought it. And the person at the counter said, I can't believe someone spent $15 on this. <laughs> Um, and it was me. I was the sucker. All right. Question number two, you can be a fly on the wall, soup to nuts, whole thing. Um, the entire creation of a song, but only one of these two songs, Todd, which is the one that you really want to sort of see the, the full story. Okay. To, to be honest, I have tried twice now to watch get back and failed. Oh man, we're we're in for some trouble. Yeah, that's kind of put a damper on my ability to watch anything, like to answer this question for anything at all. Like maybe I don't want to watch anyone uh, perform the music before it's done. 
I feel like Helter Skelter would be the more interesting one to watch as they put that one together, especially since it started off as like a 12 minute blues jam. I agree. That's sort of where I'm at too. And just knowing that here's this one thing and here's this final part. And like, there's an in-between track, but there's still a lot of connective tissue that's missing that I would love, 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 love. Um, and I like, I'd, I like it back. Okay. This is like a tease for the bonus episode that we're putting out later this month, but um, they did, um, they showed Paul McCartney's evolution on the song get back, like mm-hmm. what it started out as and how it sort of like in the span of like a couple hours basically became the song that it is. And that was cool. I don't know, man. That was awesome. Seeing Paul McCartney work, I was like, wow, this is actually surprisingly interesting to me. Like, I like you could say that the whole thing on uh, on the long view was just way too long, but that one little section is pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the, both these songs are pretty violent songs. Uh, only one of them did cause <laughs> one of the, the band members to actually bleed. That's Ringo. He got blisters on his fingers, as you might have heard. So I feel like this would be the more interesting one to watch. And is that how he pa- is that how he passed the audition? <laughs> by by drumming till his fingers bled? I think so, yes. I mean that's a that's a putting serious uh effort into your craft. All right, I think we've answered that one. Okay. Good work. Question number three. Megan the Stallion. <laughs> hot damn. Gonna get up to a night of hot girl shit. This song, this this question's starting to get a little dated, but fuck it. I want to like, I want this podcast to go for fifty years, and fifty years from now, me being like, "Oh, Megan Thee Stallion is gonna get up to some hot girl shit." Anyway, the question is, uh, which one of these songs is hot girl shit? Just put it on a playlist. Which one? Which one makes you twerk with your bad self? Which one? Uh, I feel like Helter Skelter is is better twerking music than Gimme Shelter. Gimme Shelter is not good moon music. Helter Skelter can be, or it cannot be, if it, depending on how you play it, but like, it's it's gotta be Helter Skelter. Wow, Helter Skelter's doing pretty good. All right. Yeah. Wow. Question number four. Not just the most important question of the podcast, but the most important question that anyone has ever asked another human being. William Shatner, man about town, romantic, Guy who sometimes seems to like space and other times seems to hate it. But he loves horses and singing. He's a big sanger. He's going to do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, one more time, which of these songs must be Shat upon? Okay, when we talk about Shatner as a musician... And is a vocalist. We usually uh, think of him as like a conversational tone as he says his lyrics. For both these songs, I feel like he has to do the full con. Like that, he has to bring that type of energy. Rape! Murder! It's just a shot away! I've got blisters on my fingers! Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. But which one? <laughs> there was something one about there better? was something about the huh. Hmm. Hmm. I think I got to go with Gimme Shelter on this. Really? Yes. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. I like the idea of him being kind of chill until um 
look out. And then he'd be like, look out! <laughs> Helter's Kelter. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I hear your argument. I don't know that I really want to hear William Shatner scream rape. No, that's always a... Uh, this is a... Ma- I mean, like, I guess my question is, do you bring in a ringer? Does he get a Mary Clayton? I, I just kind of imagine him as like a second. There's a second Shatner that he's duetting with. Second Shatner. I think that thing that you just said makes your argument so much worse. <laughs> I don't think that. No, no. I was I truly was on the fence, but now I've decided I'm right. It's the children that are wrong. Okay. Well, I'm a children now? Yes. Well, compared to me. Okay. I think we're going to have to go to the comments. Yes, well, we didn't really get a lot of comments on this one. Most of them were just like Mary Clayton, Mary Clayton, Mary Clayton. Yeah, no. I looked. I saw it. This was, yes. I, yeah. I thought, wow, man, there's going to be so many people that are going to vote in this one. And I think what happened was a lot of people fell into one of two categories. One, too young, don't care. <laughs> two, too old, care too much, can't decide. There were uh, people had very strong opinions about it, but I don't know. They mostly all said the same thing because I mean these are the the greatest songs of all time. What else is there to say about them? Who the fuck could talk about not talk for an hour? About what these a, two songs? only a fucking asshole! <laughs> all right, we're gonna start this off with Rich Key. Rich Key writes, "My dad's comfort viewing is watching different live versions of Gimme Shelter with different guest vocalists covering the Mary Clayton part all in a row for sometimes hours at a time." And his entire opinion of various famous stars is based solely on how well they sing Gimme Shelter. He believes Lady Gaga is the most talented person in the world. Taylor Swift is a talentless nobody. And Florence Welch might as well just change her name to Mix Friend in the Machine. Okay. I absolutely believe that Lady Gaga could take Mary Clayton's part. I haven't heard any of these versions. It does make me curious. Taylor Swift is not right for that. Good God, who the who put that in there? It's just yeah, I mean, like this is not a slight against Taylor Swift. I just don't. She's that's not just, a that's powerhouse just, belter. That's no. not her. That's weird. What a weird thing to happen. I, I even if she did have that kind of voice, she's also Taylor Swift. Well, I don't even like. I, I, I honestly don't give a shit about that part. Um, but yeah, also she would. Would she do that? Would she even do that? That's like the only judgment I could think of on that end is that like I'm sh- I'm shocked that she even did it. I'm like trying to imagine like oh who would I want if I could have anybody come in other than Fergie, <laughs> of, co- of course Fergie who again did did actually a pretty decent job. Oh, I like Gaga what? seems like a r- really great answer. Yeah, yeah. Adele, I don't know. That's that's a different voice. I don't mm. know. I kind of want like Corin Tucker. From Sleater Kinney. Now that's an interesting answer. That I, I totally see where you're going with that. Man, I gotta hear that now. What well, I mean, Mick's, Mick's still alive. He's never gonna die. Why would you court chaos in this way? Oh. Uh, you, Todd Stradamus, don't say these things. It's just a shot away. Oh, oh no! <laughs> you're a bad person and you should feel bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that would be cool. I would love that. I would love to 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 see her come in and 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 do it. She's a really great um 
She's a great singer. I had another like completely bizarre answer that no one but me would even like know who it is. Um, remember that there was that period in time when I used to watch NBC's The Voice. So like I, that, I used to watch that show re- religiously. I just kind of got into the mode where I would just watch it uh, all the time. And they had this woman come on. Her name was um, Kim Nicky, Kimberly Nicole. And uh, she did like a really great, I think it was like a rendition of like House of the Rising Sun or something like that. And I always thought um, she had just lent herself very well to, to songs. So like that's like my weird vocal competition on a major network answer is um, Kim Nicky from like 10 years ago or whatever, not 10, but you know, probably like seven years ago from NBC's The Voice. That's the weirdest answer I'll ever give. Those are my two. All right. Liz Loves You writes, putting this into as much Gen Z terms as I can as a baby of the new millennium, Helter Skelter simply slaps infinitely harder in the whip and Gimme Shelter doesn't even bang nor slap, it barely goes. Gimme Shelter both bangs and slaps and it definitely goes. I don't understand what any of this means. Help. I've fallen and I can't get up. Help. I need somebody. Not you. <laughs> All right. With your slapping and your bopping and your going. Christian Ricewig writes, Others are gonna justify gonna <clears throat> others are gonna justly run with the helter skelter invented punk angle. But an underrated part of this song's contribution to punk is how god-awful John Lennon's bass playing is on this song. Is that true? Is it, Did John Lennon play bass on this? Because he doesn't usually. I'd have to double-check the math on that. You know, some of these songs, there are stories about supposedly who played what. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not always answered. Like, a lo- and, and in particular, the White Album is a big, wide-open field of, like, what really happened there because it was during this time when, like, Ringo quit and everybody mm-hmm. was doing things so separately. So they don't – it's kind of hard to say, like, who was doing what, what instrument were they actually playing. So I don't actually – I don't – I'd have to double-check it. It could be. That does seem right because Paul was a – you know, he's considered one of the greatest bass players of all time. And I uh, – that guitar riff is definitely his, right? Like, that sounds right to me. So if John is playing bass on this and he's playing sloppy because that's not his instrument, that I think that fits the song pretty well. Could be. Yeah, I mean, Assume, like assuming this person has their facts right. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that makes it sound bad. That sort of felt like the point. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, sure. sure, with purpose. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. I don't think it's Paul because Paul does the the walking bass line. Yeah. Right. He he likes to take that bass for a walk. Yeah, he does the. Uh, he he was a Motown type bass player. That's who he he was emulating. Yeah, I mean, like you know what? The reason why I'd say I think that's right is because um, you know the 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 song "All My Lovin'." Yeah. So you know a uh, guitar part. You ever mm-hmm. listen to it? It's it's John playing the guitar and like he's like chunking real fast. He's going and it's really like it's like I don't know how his arm didn't fall off. Um, <laughs> but there's something about that intensity with which he's playing that actually weirdly kind of links up with um, Helter Skelter. So I believe it could be possibly. All right, all right. Last one. Jeremy Hanna writes, "Helter Skelter or Gimme Shelter? That's the choice that we've been dealt here." Both are great and make me swelter. 
and when I hear them, I've got to welter. But I've heard better versions of Helter Skelter. In Across the Universe, I really felt her. So while I'd say they're both a belter, my vote goes to Gimme Shelter. I don't know if that's a good poem or not, but I'm impressed by the effort. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So what's left? It's just the results, right? Could be. Could just be that we've reached the results. I mean, we all knew how these, this was going to play out. Did we? Yes. I don't I don't think we knew that at all. There was absolutely no chance that Helter Skelter was winning this. Never. In a million years, it was never going to win. Gimme right, Shelter well, is, is too good. It's too good. It's Okay, so... If you're if you're going with a decisive gimme shelter, give, give me a give me a point spread here. I'm gonna say it's a sixty-five thirty-five. Sixty-five thirty-five. All right, that's a that'd be a pretty solid win. For a total of four hundred forty-seven votes to two fifty-nine, that's a sixty-three thirty-seven split for gimme shelter. You are almost like right on the dot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, there was no way gimme shelter was going to lose. Like, there are very no. few songs I could put up against Gimme Shelter that would lose. I put up Helter Skelter by, by the Beatles. That's a great fucking song. Wouldn't deny it. It is a great yeah. song. I will listen to it. I've li- listened to it about a, a billion times before. And if I live to see another day, I'll listen to it a billion more. But no, no, right. ain't nothing fucking touches Gimme Shelter. It's just, it's, it, if you told me it was the greatest song ever written, I might even <laughs> say, you're right. That's how good it is. All right. Well, that was our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to support us, uh, we have a Patreon. You can donate a dollar to that. Any amount of money that you give to us, you will get our bonus episode. This month, we are doing Get Back. And, and then we won't, we won't talk about any Beatles for a while. Someone <laughs> said that we're never allowed to talk about the Beatles again. And I read to a- inform you that I am so old now that I assume that people just think I'm a boomer. <laughs> so... We're always going to talk about them some more, but we will take a, I think, a nice solid break. Yeah, well, it's not our fault that they voted for two Beatles movies in a row. That is just but, how it shook out. I don't, but also remember uh, the big, the big thing is that a uh, dollar not only gets you the current month's episode, but it gets you the entire backlog uh, of bonus episodes. So it's not that you're just getting one thing. Like at this point, we've got I couldn't even guess a lot of bonus episodes that you could get for the low, low price of one, one, one dollar. I mean, we've been doing this since like 2019. So that's quite a lot of episodes. Yeah. It's a a, a real like old lady in Titanic dot gif. If you uh, don't want to do that, just let us let the people know what a great podcast. Give us a nice review on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Promote us on Twitter. We appreciate it. Lena, Mm -hmm. are you ready? For the next episode. I have n- never been less ready than I am right now. <laughs> well, I mean, like this is, a bit, we were covering some heavy stuff this one time. So we're going to do a, our next one is going to be a lot lighter. We are doing Fountains of Wayne's Stacy's Mom versus Bowling for Soups 1985. Dumb. I hope, that th- <laughs> I, hope I truly hope that this will open us up to the, the, um, the, the, the boppy um, punk ska era of the 90s. That's what I really. That's what I really want. All right. Well, this is what we're doing for the time being. That's going to be the next one. Get get ready to vote for that one, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.